0: Welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers. And on today's episode, uh, I have um, my partner in crime, Kevin Saunders. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the uh, overlaps in our life. And uh, one of the things that uh, is really fresh, uh, particularly at the the launch date for uh, this podcast, we will be starting... Uh, a, another campus of New Song Church with uh, Kevin as the site pastor and uh, that came out of uh, a recent merge that happened so uh, welcome Kevin thank you it's great to be here finally yeah yeah, Been yeah. Looking forward to this for a long time yeah, yeah. well um, today uh, just to mix things up um, I put all of my questions uh, actually I thought I'm going to ask you some questions, and you can ask me some questions, and we can compare notes. Hmm. So I brought uh, a hat with me, and uh, <laughs> and a nice hat that is. Yes, got the uh, questions. We're jumbling them here, mm-hmm. and uh, since you're the guest, you can you can pull out the first question, read it, and uh, and reply. All right, here we go. Pulling. Wow, this is
1: quite appropriate then. (laughs) So the question says, we are merging two congregations to accomplish more. What do we know from our histories and what might happen through this blending? Hmm, that's that's a great question, yeah.
0: Um, (sighs) So I think the history part, I mean we've both been kind of in in very similar uh, ministry pursuits
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah I think
1: uh, I think from our histories I mean well we worked together uh, I mean we've worked together in two fish for uh, 25 years but uh, yeah. we worked together at new song right when new song was just a couple years old and uh, yep. I spent five years uh, on on staff here and for me that was a uh, that was a real life-changing, you know, few years. It's really, uh, really opened my eyes to to what God was preparing me for, you know, a lot through my teenage life and into my early 20s and all that that I had no idea. And uh, kind of really opened my eyes to urban ministry for the very first time. And uh, so that's kind of, yeah, the, the history of, uh, of that is just, you know, it kind of all started here, you know, with you guys at New Song. And so... Uh, Man, where things can go, you know, kind of full circle, now 15, 20 years later, whatever it's been, um, just really exciting to, to see all that, yeah. Yeah,
0: and I think as with both of us uh, leading urban churches in Windsor, mm-hmm. um the uh new song church 27 years lifeline church uh 14 or 15
1: about 15 since we started as a small group but yeah a little 14 and a half since we planted yeah
0: yeah so you know we we both have uh we're both raised in pastor's homes Mm -hmm. uh grew up in the pentecostal church Uh, we both ended up in windsor um we both uh, are avid musicians and and songwriters and uh, we both have the name Kevin which is uh, that's a truly remarkable Be very similar thing. Yeah, yeah yeah um so i think when when i think about our history and us uh, merging together it's it's really pers- on a personal level it's mm-hmm. it's more like a homecoming and uh, we know each other better than most we've been alongside each other for for all these years, and yeah, yeah. and so when I think about that aspect, um, I I feel like well I I just trust you implicitly because I know you inside and out, mm-hmm. and uh, so I think uh, that gives us a good starting point, you know, as as our congregations merge together, and uh, we we look at. Some of the the future things that we're gonna do,
1: yeah, yeah, and I feel much the same way too you know I mean we've we've both pastored in various things and had various opportunities and stuff, but nothing has just you know felt the same as as this in the same way you know I, I I can trust you that you know you've got the right heart and you've got the right passion and you've shown I me mean, longevity you know twenty seven years whatever yeah you know <laughs> hear a new song that that, that speaks volumes, you know, just in the way that New Song is known in the community, you know, and being able to, being able to merge together into, you know, into something that's already got even, even more of a footprint, you Mm -hmm. know, around the, around the urban core than, than Lifeline does. And and to be able to kind of add on to that and then see... You know where that's going to go together is this extremely exciting yeah so
0: why don't why don't you tell uh, uh, a uh, condensed version of uh, the history of lifeline church how <laughs> how that all came about and and yeah. uh, what lifeline church uh, has been about yeah well lifeline was
1: uh, <sighs> lifeline was kind of kind of birthed again out of, out of the years that uh, that we spend here at new song um, we left here after five years we had we had gone through the church planting stuff with the district and everything else and were approved but just didn't feel ready yet you know just didn't feel that that call yet and so we went actually went to michigan for five years and pastored there and did did a lot of missions and a lot of outreach and then you know kind of Kind of really grew as a as a pastor and as a leader at that time because I was still really young because I'm so much younger than you you know so, you are yes yeah. Yeah. yes son <laughs> <laughs> but but God was really preparing preparing us and preparing our hearts and uh, for something and and out of that time we we just we kind of felt this heart and this passion that yeah now it's now it's time and so you know 15 years or so ago we uh, we. You know, said goodbye to our, our friends in Michigan, at least on a full time basis, and, and headed back over here and really felt directed into uh, the, the older section of LaSalle, which, for those of you that don't know, is kind of a bedroom community of, of Windsor. And uh, we, we, you know, found a great location there in this old building and uh, we, you know, started some small groups, got some feet in the ground, and really wanted to. Really wanted to be a church in the community for the community kind of thing in uh, in this little area, and and things were were fantastic. You know, we had our ups and downs. We uh we moved around a couple different times. We lost mm-hmm. that building. Uh, I can't believe it's still even standing. It should have been condemned 14 <laughs> years ago when we were in there. But yep. uh, um, you know, we uh, we had you know more mouse killings than we did salvations while we were there. <laughs> I don't know there's nowhere on the ACLR thing for that where we can no. fill that out, but that would be pretty cool. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so we went from there and we, we actually held church in a bar uh for mm-hmm. another two to three years almost. The bar was closed when we were holding services. Um but we, we held it at a bar and a community center and again just a, a real community time, lots of, you know, walking by traffic and people yep. just really, you know, checking out what was going on. And uh so that that continued for a while and we, we bounced around to various spots in LaSalle. And uh due to that community center being torn down, we ended up uh Sharing facilities with another church that really wasn't where we wanted to be in the community. It was kind of, kind of, in between Windsor and Lasalle, you know, really a kind of out of the way kind of thing. It just, we spent a few years there, and we we grew, you know, spiritually as a, as a team and as a congregation. But just knew more and more that there was there was more God was calling us into. And so a little over five years ago, we we made the made the big step to uh, to come back to to urban missions and basically replanted lifeline church in downtown windsor and uh what a what a difference what a what a night and day change you know we were yeah. we were in a community and we were certainly you know still always ministering to the community but ministering to an urban core uh, community was was just a whole new ballgame, and uh, opened a lot of eyes of a lot of people. Yeah, and uh, you know we lost some people in the transition because it just wasn't for them. Yeah, but uh, but what God has brought, in uh, just just amazing growth and, and, and partnerships and and families since then has just been awesome. So the last five years have been. Uh, uh, really on the street, street ministry. I literally, mm-hmm. as, l- as long as it's not too cold or too wet, we are out on the sidewalk in probably one of the busiest corners of downtown Windsor. It is.
0: Uh, yeah. It is the busiest corner. It's the literally the crossroads of, mm-hmm. of downtown Windsor. And it gets really
1: loud sometimes when you're trying to preach or you're trying to talk, <laughs> have a conversation. Uh, the, the ambulances and fire trucks just know that that's the time to go by. Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> it's, it's really for for the uh, the bulk of the warm weather. Uh, it's a sidewalk church.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, i been been down there a few times, and uh, and that's continuing through through our merging together. That happens on Tuesday nights there. Yeah. And well, let's uh, grab the uh, question hat here again. And I'll pull out a question. I better shake it then. Oh, you you shake the hat. All right. And I'll pull out a question here. And what will the question be? Let's see. It's like the magic eight ball kind of thing. Okay. Talk about your post-secondary education outside employment and how it shaped you for ministry work. Uh, So for me, uh, post-secondary included Bible college, uh, but it also included community college where I studied broadcasting. And uh, when I uh, graduated from Loyalist College in Belleville with uh, broadcasting, I thought, well, I don't know if I'll ever use that. And now I have a podcast, it just took a while. Yes. Uh, I don't
1: think they have any idea what the a podcast was back no, then. The no, way. that's right.
0: <laughs> that's right. Uh, but uh, I would say that with Bible college, uh, it broadened my base of understanding, uh, particularly around my understanding of scriptures and the mm. church, uh, but also uh, opened up my mind to more dealing with psychology, sociology, um, culture. There, there was a lot of things. Uh, I didn't particularly enjoy um, college life all that much. I was much more interested in, in uh, being out in the community in some way than holed up in a classroom mm-hmm. or uh, you know studying into the late hours of night. But it did teach me how to study and so that was a good thing um the broadcasting um i went to community college midway through my bible college training i after a couple years i said you know i don't think i'm going to be a pastor so uh, i should probably study something else and so i studied broadcasting Um, was also um, Developing uh, as a musician and songwriter, and and having bands and that kind of thing. So um, I think what uh, Loyalist College did for me was it put me into a much more of a comfort zone with the world around me. Mm. Uh, growing up in uh, old-time Pentecostal, and then <laughs> you know moving into the '70s into more charismatic kind of. Um, church life growing up, um, I really had a strong sense of us and them that grew out of my primary social connection was the church. Uh, We moved a lot when I was a kid, and so I never was in a community long enough to really um, go deep in terms of getting involved in teams or Um, you know growing up alongside people for a lifetime Mm -hmm. Uh, all of my major connections were in the church so um, college life was good to help me to get comfortable being around people that weren't church people (laughs) and uh, then uh, some of the jobs I had um, you know various uh, types of employment uh, during my uh, High school, uh, college years, uh, uh, and then... I think the logging job is the most intriguing to me. Yeah, working at the pulp mill, (laughs) yeah, up on Lake Superior. Kevin the Lumberjack, Kevin the Lumberjack. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, driving school bus and other things that I did along the way, uh, co-vocationally in ministry, working at the halfway house um, as a chaplain. Some of those things, Uh, again, every time um, I have those kinds of experiences, it grounds me into the reality of community life. Mm -hmm. Um, You can spend a lot of time in church and sort of lose touch with what really is important to the people in your community. So that would be my um, uh, windy answer to that question. Well, I'll, let me ask you about um, your post-secondary education and outside employment and how that has shaped you uh, for ministry.
1: Yeah, yeah, and much the, uh, much the same kind of story. I uh, did some Bible college and uh, also did some community college and some university as well. Um, you know, left high school and uh, actually took off down south to Florida for a while to, mm-hmm. uh, to Bible college down there. And, uh, learned to surf, enjoyed that, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, also found it a good time of grounding, you know, grounding in the scriptures and learning, you know, I, I, at that point had, had no desire to ever actually pastor a church. I thought, you know what? I'm into music. I love music. Let's go. So I went to study sacred music and, uh, that was my, you know, I was going to be a church mm-hmm. musician my whole life and nothing more.
0: Yeah. And, uh. And I was going to be a rock star. Yeah, well, I was going well. to be that, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. funny
0: It's funny how both of us uh, came reluctantly, in some ways, into church life, mm-hmm. even though we were raised in it. Yeah. And maybe we'll unpack that in, in some of the future <laughs> a, questions here. a deeper here. question, yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and so, yeah, the... Uh, the college life there, I didn't complete Bible College in Florida, but came back and got into ministry, but at the same time uh, went to St. Clair College for, for a little bit of music production and uh, recording. Uh, again, all techniques that, and, and systems that aren't used anymore, but but you know, helped, helped grow me in the technology side of things and also did a little more music uh, studying at the University of Windsor and then did uh, started uh, online, you know, Bible College, and then mm-hmm. you know finishing off some of the studies there, uh, but but got right into ministry right away, and wanted to be you know involved in ministry and doing things, but but still you know didn't feel uh, there was just a disconnect, you know just didn't fit, and and most of my pastoral career has been co vocational. Uh, mm-hmm. There was. Uh, there was a time of about 5 years when I was in the US when I was, you know, full-time there another time for, you know, 2 or 3 years where I was, you know, co-vocational between two churches, but other than that, you know, I've been I've been pastoring and working at various uh secular jobs. Uh thankful because of a lot of uh a lot of interest in technology in my younger years. Uh, I have had a good stint over the years at various different things doing IT jobs. Mm-hmm. And uh so that has helped to pay the bills a lot and uh but it was it was more than just paying the bills and that's why i like the the whole idea of co-vocational you know it's yeah. not just bi-vocational where one pays the bills and and one is ministry there have been just countless countless times that, that i could recall where you know being in the you know, the quote secular workforce has opened up so many avenues and so many opportunities to to, to minister to people and yeah and, And so many good friends and church members that I know now that have have come to faith or come back to faith because of opportunities that I've had outside of the church wall setting just to to minister to people. And that has been something that uh, I've just found an invaluable part of of, of ministry is being, you know, yes, it gets, it gets tough juggling careers and juggling, you know, which hat am I wearing today? Which job am I going to? But it, it so keeps you grounded in what you're doing and what God has called I think us I've to
0: do. Known you at some points to be working like four jobs, including <laughs> pastoring two churches. Probably
1: there have been times, yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm probably doing that now. So <laughs> I don't know. But it's always worked, and it's—I don't know. It's yeah. There's times when it's added stress, but there's. Just when you get to that point, you know, something else happens where you go, eh, that's that's why I'm doing this. And, and now for the past few years, I've had the opportunity to work in a, in a counseling clinic uh, as well. Uh, and that's just, uh, again, you know, not doing physical counseling, but just kind of doing a lot of the running of the office. But so much opportunity just to minister to people and have open and frank conversations with, with people sometimes that are at their most vulnerable and, uh, and, and hurting mm-hmm. times and just to be an ear sometimes you know and before they see the therapist yeah, before they even they see the, the therapist to see you. Yeah. yeah so it's it's really kind they of they probably cool. don't even need a therapist no. after
0: they're done talking it's to almost
1: you. like they're coming to confessional they have no idea that's a minister <laughs> sitting on the other side of the desk they're just opening up <laughs> i
2: don't know
1: <laughs> it's great
0: <laughs> yeah well time for uh, shaking the question hat mm, shake it up all right here we go
1: Must be a small one. It's a small piece of paper. Do you remember the first time we met? Wow, it sounds like a dating game or something. (laughs) I do vividly remember the first time that we met. I was. I was at the first church that I was pastoring out at. Uh, well, at that time was Calvary Community Church in, in mm-hmm. Tecumseh, and I was there. Uh, I was directing the choir at the time and uh, doing directing some directing the choir, doing some worship leading and doing Christmas productions and uh, and doing a little bit of youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we were. Uh, I was I was up on the platform actually, and this uh, this young pastor and his wife and I think you just had one. Child the time, right? You just two. Uh, you had two at the time. Two, okay. Yeah. Well, I I can picture you guys though walking in, you've got a suit on. I've never seen you wear a suit since then. Yeah, funerals and
0: weddings. Yeah, they yeah. they
1: walked in the back and I remember being told beforehand, Oh yeah, we're gonna have these, these new church planners that are coming to the city and we're gonna talk to them a bit today and, and you walked in uh, walked in the room and uh, I think I met you and we chatted a bit, but no real you know, wasn't any real connection mm-hmm. and then uh, From there, I don't know, something just happened. And I think you called me after that, and we got to know each other better. But that was the first time I I actually ever laid eyes on you.
0: Wow. Well, I um, actually remember a time before that. Oh, boy. And uh, Mark Griffin uh, was the youth pastor at at Parkwood. Mm -hmm. And uh, I brought my band at the time from uh, Exeter, where I was. Uh, down to uh, uh, to do a concert at, at, at Youth. And uh, you I met you and Paula in the hallway. Oh. Somebody introduced us. And uh, what I remember uh, at that time was... I had great hair. I was here. Yeah, you had was long, awesome. curly hair. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Paula did too. Yeah. And uh, so that was... That was the very first time. And then later on, when we met um, at Calvary Community, that's. Uh, it took a while for me to connect those two. Oh, that's the same guy. Because I don't think you had the long curly hair. I might have just cut it
1: at that point. I think you did, yeah. Because I was co-vocational working at a golf course at the time. Yeah. Wearing a hard hat every day with long yeah. hair was just, nope. Nope. Not, not needed anymore.
0: Yeah. Um, so, uh, all right all right your turn to pick all right shake it up yeah all right my question is talk about what you had to learn and prioritize to stay focused in urban ministry Mm. Uh, so prior to uh, coming and starting New Song Church uh, I did uh I was in three other churches uh, as a youth pastor and um, so uh, when uh, i came to plant uh, an urban church uh, one of the things i had to uh, contend with and and start to uh, figure out was just how different it was from suburban and small town church life mm-hmm. and um, just a little just a little bit. Uh, so one of the things I, I noticed uh, was that um, it was uh, in in our kind of urban ministry, which is, uh, you know, uh, really got a, a focus towards uh, folks from the streets. Uh, we're low barrier uh, pastors, you know, that we want people to be included. We want people to come into the church and, and to find a warm hospitality that is not uh, measuring um, them by the words coming out of the mouth uh, you know or if they smell or if if they they look God, or act weird in some way and uh, so learning to um, uh, view discipleship differently in growing up church discipleship was very much of a classroom orientation and in uh, urban ministry um, discipleship became it became much more apparent that being present with people and and um, allowing them to see who you are and being earning the right to speak into their life and to overlook a lot of things uh, that that became um, a, a more um, urban discipleship yeah. you know and uh, and and then I think too also in in urban life um, if if you plant a church uh, in a small town or in the suburbs um, it it's possible to Um, to to grow sizable Um, it's less likely to grow sizable uh, when you are in uh, the city core often in uh, older dilapidated buildings (laughs) sometimes with a shortage of parking Um, and then and then just the rotation that uh so many people rotate in and out mm-hmm. uh, through mm-hmm. through the life of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a couple of things I had to had to learn uh, uh, to stay focused in urban ministry. And then in terms of priorities, um, I had to learn how to prioritize um, how to prioritize uh, when to um, be in the chaos. And when to step out of the chaos and rest. Yeah. Because it's both. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Uh, I immediately think, you know, the first thing that I, I,
1: I learned, uh, I think back to the uh, the first Sunday that you had asked me to come and, and help lead worship at New Song. You guys were meeting in Victoria Public School. Yeah. And, and I walked in uh, with a suit jacket on and everything, and I'm like... Yeah, I think I overdressed. So the, the first thing I learned about Urban Ministry is I could leave my suit jacket behind and yeah. and that was that was a huge plus because uh, I, I hated those things. I
2: grew up being
0: forced to wear a suit and tie yeah. and everything but I know hardly anybody wears them, so I know, no matter we see. we were on we were at the front of You're the line taking the our suits off. That's right.
2: Yeah.
1: But you know, I think uh, I think though about Urban Ministry, a couple of the things that you hit on it were were very very true i know you know again growing up as a preacher's kid um um you know dad was almost like the pope you know (laughs) like he was he was the one that looked up and he what he said and everybody came you know for advice and it was just like that automatic respect was just there because of the suit that's it you know (laughs) but but i but i think you know in in urban ministry you, you said something you know about earning 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 the respect and earning the right and i think uh you know, our first couple years downtown in Windsor, it was it was really earning earning the respect and earning the right to to be there kind of thing. You know that we weren't just you know a fly by night group that was going to drop in and throw some food and say, oh God bless you and move along. You know it took it took a while to be trusted. It took a while to earn that respect. That hey, we're we're there because we care because we love. I mean, you know, I rooted my family much like you. You know, we we moved down. You know. Close to the urban core, because that's where we wanted to be. That's how we wanted to live life, and and I think that uh, the first couple of years was was very very crucial, you know, in just being there because that leads to the next thing. Is it, it's it's not about that you know high and holy figure that you know just you know preaches into people's yeah. life. It, it's about relationship. It is so much about relationship because yeah. uh, you know just just being able to to share your life with people in the community is is so empowering and you know it takes the time to to get that respect but now it's just they know who we are they they love us and they can they can talk and they can talk openly about the problems and the ups and downs and we can share back and forth together and you know if if they're high and walking down the street but hey pastor how's it going you know it's, it's, and then you go back to beating up a telephone pole but they're like pastor what but yeah. it's it's the it's those are the moments that make you realize yeah that's this is why we're doing it you know yeah. and, and it's not about you know putting us up on a pedestal at all it's about it's no. about taking us off that pedestal and just getting down like i i do a lot of my work to sit at the local coffee shop downtown because I can wait for the congregation just to wander by and say hi. Yeah. You know, and just to be out there relating. And I think the, the relational part of urban ministry is is even so much more a part of it than in any other type because it's, it's all about community. Yeah. You know, it really yeah. is. So
0: Can I uh, <clears throat> insert a pet peeve here? Mm. Uh, sometimes you hear uh, pastors and people, worship leaders and people involved in in church life talk, they talk about loving on people. Mm. You know, uh, we're just going to be, we're just going to love on them. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's a pet peeve for me because uh, loving on, you know, uh, do you also like love off? (laughs) You know, either you love people. Or you don't. Or you don't. (laughs) And, you know, loving on sounds like we're going to, put on our love mm-hmm. and we're going to just concentrate on them right now and uh, I mean I know what people mean by it it's just a pet peeve so I promise I won't bring it up again I promise I won't <laughs> yeah you know okay. use platform time to 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 grind on this but loving on people you know I think the reality of loving people is that we're called to love a lot of people that we just don't like Hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> there's a topic and, right there <laughs> yeah you know to be yeah. honest that that no love love says that uh i see that you're made in the image of god and though you hurt me offend me say things that don't make sense whatever you know i am choosing to live humbly with love towards you mm-hmm. and um you know i don't want to put it on you i want to love you mm-hmm. and okay pet peeves done
2: <laughs> you, better...
0: you make a good point though because i you know the not the first time i heard that but the
1: time that really made the biggest impact to me was uh, was going and hanging out at sanctuary in toronto I mm-hmm. probably probably 10 years ago now was going to take a group down there and one of the first things that they told us is you want during the meals and during all that stuff you're not serving you're just sitting at the table, yeah. You're just having relationships with people. You're yeah. you're you're not loving on them. You're just you're just being with people in the yeah. community. And I thought, yeah, that that really makes a lot more sense than me just dropping a hamburger and walking away. Yeah, you know. And that yeah. that has always stuck with
0: me. You know. Yeah, let me love on you with a hamburger. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And priorities. I mean, just I'll end it really quick with the, the priority thing. The biggest the biggest priority is, is learning how to prioritize. Uh, the, the 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 chronically needy with uh, yeah with the real need you know I mean we yeah. we've all got the people that that want to talk every single week and they they've all got you know they're, they're always at
0: the front of the line yeah and others don't get to... yeah connect. but but yeah.
1: taking time to know you know what this is this is someone new who I haven't met yet and your problem isn't you know secondary but I need to
0: go talk to them
1: yeah it's really learning to to prioritize in that way and you yeah know, and and it, I don't know it, it makes yeah. a difference. It really does.
0: And 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 not to always feel guilty because you know there's no way possible for any of us to meet every need that mm. comes across our path. And that's why uh, we have
1: a good team with us. That. that that's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We got to share the load. All right. Well, back to is it your question now? I, I think. Th- yeah, I think I'm picking yeah. now. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go extra swirl here. Make sure we get a really good question. All right. There we go. <laughs> All right. Digging in.
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> Talk about growing up in a pastor's home. How that had a positive and or negative effect on you. Uh, well, yeah. We, we both grew up uh, as preacher's kids in, uh, in a pastor's home. And, and yeah, it, it had... It had its negatives and it's had its positives, uh, but I think a lot of the negatives uh, helped to turn positives in my life. If that makes any sense at all, mm-hmm. you know, it was mm-hmm. uh, it was a different time. It was a different a- day and age. Our uh, our our dads did ministry different than we did, yeah. and and it was a different day and age where ministry was thought of in a different way than uh, than we are. I mean. You know, that was back then, you know, all the pastors golf for free on Mondays because that was that was the free thing. And I still hear Rid my village. dad mention that once in a while. There's yeah. no golf courses that give free golf to pastors anymore. <laughs> Society has changed. Yeah. And uh yeah. but yeah, growing up as as a pastor's kid, I mean you, you see you see a lot of the ins and outs of church life that other people don't see. Mm-hmm. And uh that can that can really wear on you and you know, if you you don't deal with that it can really give you a negative effect uh you know a negative approach towards the church um and and you know Mm -hmm. what that was probably a lot of my initial hesitation to you know ever wanting to be a pastor ever wanting to even be in ministry i mean it was only a year before i actually went to bible college to just do music you know that i even decided that i wanted to do that at all yeah. Uh, just because you know, Dad was so busy. Again, you know, pastoring little churches, and you know, always, almost always being the only guy. You know, maybe mm-hmm. a part-time secretary or a part-time associate, but always everything on him. And that's two services on Sunday and a midweek and programs and everything else. And, and living a couple doors down from the church, always. You know, yeah. so it, was, it it always seemed like as a kid you were, you know, you. More than shared, you know, your your dad with yeah. the church, you know, and we were, and, uh, but then on the other side of it, it, uh, it, it brought that Christian heritage that you just, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing else that, uh, that can bring that, you know, yeah. seeing, seeing, uh, you know, not just dad because he was the pastor, but mom as well, just, just parents that loved God and, uh, and I mean, went through some, incredible things and you know financial hardships and everything mm-hmm, else mm-hmm. because they knew that they were called to do what they were called to do and that uh, that kind of upbringing has man has made the difference in, in my life and in paula's life as we've been in ministry and again you know doing the the bi-vocational and co-vocational and you know small churches and, <laughs> and not having money to get by personally and the church for years you know and just you know, realizing, you know, seeing the strength that Mom and Dad had in ministry, um, really, mm-hmm. I don't know, it was something that was just ingrained there. That if this is God's thing, then it's God's thing, and you know, the earthly stuff is just the earthly stuff, and we'll, yeah, and God always provided, and He always has, and and continues to, and, and I think the other side of it too is is seeing. The need for some of that balance that we've already talked about, you know, mm-hmm. of prioritizing, and in many ways of life, and knowing that, you know, and then dads apologized over the years of saying, yeah, you know, I I did too much, and I did yeah. spend too much time away from home, yeah. and I appreciate that, you know, yeah. and and knowing that I wasn't going to do that in ministry, and you know, even even though yeah, I work four jobs sometimes, <laughs> I've always made time for my kids and for my family and made that a priority, yeah, um, because I knew. I knew what it felt like to be on the other end of it, and I didn't want to do that you know and and I think that really helped me in ministry, so you know good, bad, ugly, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff, you know, growing up as a preacher's kid
0: i think one thing i I learned from uh, from my dad was uh, how to be um, transparent and confessional, uh, some pastors. Had, a, had errors about them, and you know, they would have the shield on, mm. so you, 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 it was all about the, uh, the holy office, you know, mm-hmm. and you didn't have to know them, you just had to uh, respond to their leadership. But uh, I, I think, uh, with, with my dad, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I benefited from. Uh, was uh, I benefited um, from uh, my parents' mistakes? Yeah, and and their weaknesses, you know, and their vulnerabilities and their sensitivities, and 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 seeing uh, them just be human and and you know uh, struggle and um, some there were things that I observed growing up that. Um, I was able to say, okay, well, I I don't need to respond that way. Mm-hmm. I I can see what that's doing to them, and I can learn from that. And and that that was a positive. I I think, uh, you know, maybe a, maybe a negative was um, in my early years, uh, always feeling the scrutiny of others (laughs) and uh you know every church we were ever in there was always some some woman or some man or or sometimes more than one that uh, they just felt it was their job to continually come and and tell you what you're doing wrong and uh, what you should be doing and um you know and so you're you're kind of placed in this Artificial situation where um, the expectations on you as a pastor's kid, uh, at least in our our time, yeah. You know, I think it's a lot healthier now, Mush. and I think it also helped inform how we raised our kids. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, you know the um, uh, yeah. So it's uh, it's it's a it's a mixed bag, but uh, overall, I think. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to have been raised another way. I'm glad uh, that I was raised in, in ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and also, um, you know, uh, my dad's uh, more extroverted. My mom's more introverted and quiet. And, and uh, you know, so um, watching those tensions play out, you know, and, uh, and then also d- discovering how much alike I am but also how different I am and uh, Marsha my wife sometimes uh, jokingly says you know uh, you must have been adopted you're not like your family (laughs) (laughs) but the truth is I am very much like my family and I'm very much different from my family I too
1: have family members that make the same comments (laughs) yeah (laughs) where did you come from
0: (laughs) My turn again? Uh, No, my turn. You get to shake the hat. I get to shake the hat.
1: All right, pick away. If you're
0: listening to this, we have a ball cap and we have these little pieces of paper uh, with questions. Okay, Uh, let's talk about songwriting. Mm. How does life in the city affect your song vision? Uh, you and I both have written um, many many songs over the years yeah. uh, we've written some songs together uh, but uh, we also have a whole bunch that independently uh, we've written and and um, uh, but how has uh, being involved in urban ministry um, affected what you write about and maybe how you write yeah. uh, you know what What's how does that play into it? Wow,
1: yeah, that you know, I've always been, and I and I think I learned this from you early on, uh, because I had you know written a couple cheesy songs, you know, before we kind of got together. <laughs> I don't even know if you've heard them, but there were some really really bad ones. But I think one of the, one of the first pieces of advice you ever gave me on songwriting was to to write for your congregation, or write for your people, or write for you know, your environment as to where yeah. you are. And I've always I've always come back to that. You mm-hmm. know, there have been there have been seasons and one offs here and there where you just yeah you, know, you, you write for Christmas because it's got to be Christmas or you you know you write for this or that. But it's man, it's uh, I've always found that uh, that the songs that have the most meaning that uh, really seem to gravitate uh, and that people gravitate to are the ones that are written out of you know exactly where we are. You mm-hmm. know, so uh, mm-hmm. you know seeing seeing the difference between urban life and and suburban life you know is it's it's almost so much easier you know to write songs because there's just there's so much uh there's so much loss of hope there's so much hopelessness there's so much need so much despair you know that we're involved in every day and it's uh it's almost easier to write that because when you go to the scriptures, there's just so much that that contradicts that. You know that says yeah. no. We have a source for hope and a source for, source for strength. Right. And uh, so I think, especially you know, in in the urban setting, it's been it's been fantastic to to dig into that for mm-hmm. uh, for some real some real meaningful songs that I think have meant so much to not just to myself but to other people and in the congregation. What about yourself, though?
0: Yeah, so for me, I think uh, I, I would echo everything you said there and uh, I would um, I think about a song uh, like Not Condemned, you mm-hmm. know, and how the, the storyline in the song or the, the theme in the song is uh, about, you know, basically, uh, you know, being guilty, standing before a judge you know, with with blood on your hands, and you're clearly guilty. Uh, but in in Christ, there is this declaration that you're not condemned. Mm. And uh, in in the the language of that song, and the kind of the the, the bluesy uh, riff of it, and all that, um, it it really is. I, I it ties in so much to the people that I've cared about in ministry over the years. Uh, many people that, uh, you know, have spent a lot of time in jail. Yeah. And, um, and and uh, the other thing I think is that in, in terms of the worship songs of the church, we both have had this advantage of being able to write songs for our congregations. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, <clears throat> we're able to uh, say things that, Uh, in past years you wouldn't hear as many songs that really included a lament Mm -hmm. you wouldn't hear as many songs that would um speak to issues of of poverty and and homelessness and brokenness and addiction and and yet uh out of our contextualizing we're able to write songs that um can use some language, but more than just language, some understanding of, you know, how do you help uh, a broken person to worship God? You know, and uh, Jesus' example of the two men in the temple praying, you know, and we, we grew up um, and lived through a lot of music, that was kind of like the Pharisee, you know, not always, but, but sometimes, you know, and then, um, but to, to me, to be able to write a song that, you know, is, is the head hung down saying, Lord have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. Mm. You know, there, that, that just is so grounding, uh, not just for us as, as followers of Jesus and pastors, but for our, our congregation to To say that we can come to God the way we are in the mess that we are, and we can ask God to help us. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so.
1: Yeah, and I think along that same lines too. What's What's interesting to note, you know, the fact that we do travel quite a bit too, you know, and get around mm-hmm. to other congregations. Uh, you know, some of the songs that we write that are really work so well within our own settings you know sometimes i do notice in other settings that it just goes over like a brick you know it just yeah like wow that, that that song's awesome but what happened here you know yeah. and it really i don't know it really makes you realize how much you do write for your own setting and your own content yeah. sometimes yeah you know? because i don't know it's it just Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a balancing act for both of us. And now that we're back working together, Mm -hmm. you know that, you know, where two fish is a little more of you and I and our extroverted performance side. um, The week to week uh, liturgy of Mm -hmm. worship with our congregations, we can include some of the songs we write, but we can't just do our songs we have to be much broader and include uh, w- great worship music, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, Shun from many sources. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, because uh, our musical identity of Two Fish is like way down the list of priorities. Mm. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a great thing that we get to do. Um, but, uh, it's not the most important thing we do. No. And, uh, all right. So, um, back to you, pull out a question and I think I reversed it last time. And, I think you did. Yeah. So, uh, you get to answer your question. All right. Talk about longevity in urban ministry,
1: how you have survived and stayed. Ah. Oh. Only by the grace of God. Amen. <laughs> and only because my wife doesn't own a gun. <laughs> or my kids. <laughs> Good thing we're not Americans. Uh, yes. yes. Good point there. Good point. Yeah. No, I mean, hmm. it 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 goes back to, you know, a calling and a passion for what we do. There are, there are so many, so many days, you know, when I can say I've just... I feel like I've had enough, you know, whether it's been mm-hmm. just the, the co-vocational part of it just wearing on me or just the stresses of finances or whatever it may be. And those are the times when, you know, when you when you run into someone or you have a service or a gathering and just God does something else miraculous again. And it's the it's the relationships that you have with with the people in the urban core that just keep me going week after mm-hmm. week after week mm-hmm. you know uh, you know the conversations that just go this is why we do it Yeah. You know, this is this is why because you know somehow we're, we're speaking to your your life you know you're you're smoking weed now, but you're not doing coke or math or something else, yeah, and that's a huge that's improvement. It's a huge
0: improvement for you, yeah. you know. And that's you're and, moving along in the discipleship journey. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah.
2: and that's.
1: But those are the kind of things that keep me going. It's a. Uh, it's not huge, you know, cathedrals and and big, huge, thousand people congregations. It's the. It's mm-hmm. the one and the two little miracles all the time, where God just is continually. You know, doing amazing things where where you don't know how it happened. You know it's only because of God. And that is that is the only reason that I've survived in urban ministry. Because it's, it's tough and it's different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't get prepared for this in Bible college. And you don't get right. prepared for it pastoring in other settings. And uh, what keeps you going is realizing why we're doing what we're doing. It's not for any earthly pats on the back or anything else. But it's seeing... God changing people's lives day after day mm-hmm. after day. not not because of me, but simply because i'm I'm just that vessel that that God can somehow speak through, even though I might feel like a bumbling idiot out there, and somehow it it touches someone's life. and that's yeah.
0: that's what just keeps me going. always. For me, uh, longevity, uh, being in one place uh, now for uh, twenty eight years in Windsor. Uh, that's the longest, uh, of living anywhere ever in my life. Uh, it's the opposite of my upbringing. Mm. Uh, In my upbringing, the longest we lived anywhere was seven years. Coincidentally, that happened to be in Windsor. Wow. Uh, but, uh, uh, or I was here seven Mm -hmm. years and went off to college, but, uh, the, uh, the earlier years, and even when I first entered ministry, you know, uh, two to, two to four years was, was kind of average, Mm -hmm. uh, stays back in the day. And, um, so longevity was not something I was not naturally a hometown homeboy. Uh, I I actually always was kind of the, uh, just passing through don't know how long I'm going to be here. (laughs) And So part of the longevity for me was just discovering that you can stay somewhere and you don't have to leave. Um, The call of God uh, in in life, I've always said, I'll stay here as long as the Lord has me here. And if he has another plan, um, I'll just remain open. And uh, there've been only a couple times, maybe two, three times, three times in, these years here, that um, there was either an opportunity presented, or explored, or uh, or me getting to a stage of feeling like, you know, I feel like I've done everything I know to do here. <laughs> I feel like the church needs more than I can give, mm. and they need somebody else to lead because I'm I'm just at wit's end here. Yeah. You know, but what I've discovered is that in every time I got close to figuring out, is this it? Is it time to do something else? Um, I learned to wait on God and not to rush. Yeah. And in the waiting, I always found that either God would... Begin something new and fresh right where I am that was so compelling that I couldn't <laughs> let go and I felt refocused and like no we got to keep going here um, either that or uh, you know the things that uh, were at work inside me I think uh, coming into ministry I had a lot of entitlement and a lot of sense of this is what what i know to be true of the pastoral life growing up watching it not liking what i saw not wanting that mm-hmm. but at the same time picking up some of the expectations and entitlements sure, yeah. not that golf courses uh, were part of my <laughs> upbringing but no but what i know things like you know um there's a certain mythology in church life that we grew up in that it should always be getting bigger and better. Mm, yeah and, and and sometimes it was getting smaller and worse. <laughs> and and but in in those seasons of uh, real struggle and and emptiness, it like the things that that God would begin to shape in me gave me new strength, new passion new humility mm. and uh, so um, so yeah I think uh, I, I think I'm going to stay <laughs>
2: that's good <laughs> yeah I hope so now that I just came and joined you yeah <laughs> you're not going to well, you know God head. might
0: change that but <laughs> that's true but uh, I, I plan to stay I'm All glad alright right. question here alright we're getting down okay, to the bottom I'm of the hat here the oh here's a good question how has your wife's employment given you a greater community perspective. Uh, Marsha works for Christian Horizons and uh, has so for the majority of our years here in Windsor. And when I first met her, she was also working at a uh, community group home in Exeter. So she's uh, given her adult life uh, to, um, to working in group home settings uh, with people that have um, uh, multiple uh, physical impairments. And, um, you know, I, even before I met her, um, I, God had begun to open my eyes to uh, the, the, uh, the uh, enabled community, you know, and so, uh, but with her working in her field, it always informs my ministry uh, because uh, I, I am continually reminded of the barriers uh, that people experience mm-hmm. to integrating into community life, the the barriers to communication, the the barriers to um, you know being able to contribute in a meaningful way, and and. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, um, that, I, that's one thing I just absolutely love about my wife is the, uh, the passion and the heart that she has in the work that she does. Sometimes people will come up and they'll say, oh, you must be so special, you know, to be able to work in that field. And if she was loving on them, then, you know, <laughs> I would say, well, yeah, you, you must be pretty special. That's not a pet peeve, is it? No, no, no really not I don't at think all. So. <laughs> no, but but uh, no. My, my wife's. Uh, you know, I see her humility, and mm-hmm. in, in um, I'm reminded by my wife <clears throat> on many occasions, just not even in her work life, but mm-hmm. in in our family life, and how uh, she totally gets the idea when Jesus, um, you know puts the towel around them and gets the basin mm. of water and, and washes the disciples' feet. And uh, so she inspires me uh, to be a foot washer, you know, to be somebody that uh, that is able to respond to people for who they are, mm. not for their condition, not for their history, not for what they can or can't do for me. <laughs> but... They they are beautiful soul made in the image of God and and uh, so I, I I would say that's a big thing I I gained from my wife's uh, employment. Does she wash you?
1: your feet regularly? Uh,
0: no, I yeah. I do my own. But I didn't see her doing that. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's she has boundaries. <laughs> yes, know. exactly. That's right. <laughs> so does <There's> mine. Protocols. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: Um, yeah, much, much the same. My wife, Paula is, uh, has been in childcare, uh, basically since before we were married. And, um, just shortly after the time that we left New Song, the first time to go off and, you know, other ventures, uh, she got a job just down the street here. You can see yeah. it through the window if we looked out, uh, working at Drillard Place, an agency, uh, right here in the community. Uh, been here for years and years and years. And, uh, and so she works in the child care there, uh, running the what they now call early on it's been many different names over the years but um, and so she spends her time uh, working with working with parents and parents just bring their kids and they come and they have a, a time together where, where the where the kids play but the parents you know a lot of times socialize and spend a lot of time mm-hmm. talking with her and uh, the fact that she just gives and gives and gives to them, you know, mm-hmm. and is there as a sounding board, you know, bringing in other people with other resources that can, you know, yeah. help to, to facilitate and meet the needs of some of the parents in this community. Um, and so she's just been been loving on, you know, the Drewlar community, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. actually, you know, just being a part of it. You know, more and more and more. I think when it first started, it was kind of a loving-on kind of thing, mm-hmm. and now she is uh, she's a fixture, you know, yeah, in in the community, yeah. and just absolutely loves it. You know, would not would not trade what she does for anything in the world. You know, yeah. thinks thinks about going back and doing other things. Says no, I could never do that. Yeah, and just uh, so the way it uh, the way it so nicely you know pairs into you know into church life you know ministry again is just. You know, it just partners up so well, mm-hmm. and for for me to think that oh well, I'm I'm the pastor and I'm doing the ministry and you're not no. There's a lot of times mm-hmm. where where she's doing way more ministry than you know that I'm doing as the pastor because oh, yeah. she's just just there hanging with people, yeah, and, and just just being their friend and being whatever they need.
0: And I see Marcia doing that, and I'm I marvel at it. I I think wow, she actually in some sometimes is appears like she's more comfortable and Mm -hmm. more connected in engaging with people than i am Mm -hmm. you know because we're we get swamped right we've got yeah we we get to talk to you know maybe uh 10 people uh in a row Mm -hmm. and uh we don't choose them they choose us yeah and uh but our wives Um, they're able to just kind of move freely and -hmm. and, uh, yeah
1: Yeah, and I've seen like the the growth in her over the last few years because of you know being so integrated in this community you know now that we've been downtown for five years doing the ministry there it's just, I mean, because Paula's not outgoing at all. You know, she's very introverted and very shy, right? And oh, doesn't yeah. talk to anyone. Oh, so. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but, you know, sitting there on a Tuesday night and watching her go from person to person and, and just, you know, reach out literally and grab people from yeah. the street and say, hey, you know, it's <laughs> it, it's so cool. And I, I've said to her countless times over the past couple of years, like, just... You know, we couldn't do what we're doing yeah. on Tuesday nights downtown without you. You know, because it's true the ministry is really it's a partnership between yeah. us now, and uh, yeah. and that's come out of out of her love and desire at her mm. you know employment. That's just uh, God's used her in so many incredible ways. So mm. it's just it's so cool how it all yeah. just you know just blends together. Oh yeah, you know?
0: yeah. Like, with with the way my um, uh, wife uh, is you know, led of the spirit in her workplace to, uh, to build up others, not just the, the people that live in the home, but the, the, the staff and management. Mm. Uh, I just just uh, got a lot of, lot of respect for that lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we got two more questions. So, uh, all right. Final shake. I guess on the last one, we won't need to shake. Probably not. No. <laughs> all
1: right. What can you say about urban churches being mostly small and rare? Well, I can say that it's sad, mm-hmm. you know. It, it's sad that urban churches are rare, you know, because when you, when you look around, and again, we've traveled around to a lot of cities, and even in our own city, when you look downtown and you see how many old, ancient, beautiful church buildings mm-hmm. that are there that are just dried up you know yeah. and, are, and are gone or are non-existent and and just the uh, you know how everything in the urban core has just left you know especially mm-hmm. when Windsor's a good example of you know even you know a lot of the businesses and everything they're they're starting to come back and it's starting to get better but there was such a time I mean when I was a when I was a teen growing up here for a couple of years there it was a lot of booming businesses downtown mm-hmm. that are just not there anymore and yep. along with some of the churches that were there you know, have kind of moved away, and I, it's it's sad that the urban core has lost so much. You know, both churches and so many other things that could be really influential and help yeah. the the urban setting to grow, but but especially you know things that deal with the spirit and deal with the soul, um, just being left out of the urban core. I, I walked around about a year ago, another small town here in Ontario, and just. I marveled at the amount of churches downtown. I could I, I forget how many I counted now, but within like a three or four block radius, there was so many church buildings. But then, as I found out, again they were all closed up. You know, yeah. they, were, they were non-operational. And I guess uh, it, it's just a something that i think we really need to focus more on and i'm glad because of our denomination and you know the the real focus on on church planting and on Mm -hmm. even on urban church planting and on you know different types of church planting in so many different you know ways i'm glad that that we have that focus but but man we we need it because you know they they are small because there's such a, a small population to, to grow from, because even you know a lot of the people have left um, that have the, the funds, so it keeps the churches small. And there's such a you know I know in our setting especially, and even so here at New Song too. But there's 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 so many uh, um, nomadic almost would be the population you know that's yeah. just uh, you know constantly changing and constantly mm-hmm. coming and going because they just don't. I mean there's you know urban you know talks about you know the whole thing of there being such a an influx of, of people in such a dense area but it's not people of faith you know right. it's, it's not uh you know and the ones that are there seem to be driving out to the suburbs to their churches because you know that's that's where they want to be so i think we need to to find some way and i know we're working on it and we know a lot of others that are working on it but uh yeah, to bring God back into the suburbs or back into the the urban area, you know. Yeah. No, don't pull him out of the suburbs, but you know we yeah. need, we need him here more than ever because the the, the small works are going to continue to to struggle in some ways because there's just not the the people of faith that are that are
0: there. I think there's an, I mean, there's there's a value in small churches that is often. Um, downplayed. Mm. Uh, you know, the 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 Bible College dream is to have a growing, successful church with you know more people and staff than you know what to do with. Mm. And uh, but the worldwide reality is that ninety-five uh, percent of all of the churches, local churches, in around the world. Yeah. Um, have uh, 50 people or less in them and uh, so you know for for new song having uh, you know a hundred to 120 somewhere in there and now you guys merging in um, there's a certain amount of um, you know you got a mega church now. Oh, it's a it's a mega yeah. urban church, yeah. <laughs> but not really. I mean, the, the the whole thing is this that the metrics are different when you're in in the city core. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it we 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 off we need to just continually let go of old dreams of what the church is supposed to figure be. is better, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's in uh, his book, The Grasshopper Myth. Hmm. Uh, Love that. Uh, is it David Vader's? Yeah, Carl. Carl Vader's, Carl Vader's, yeah. Uh, he talks about the story in the Old Testament where the spies, uh, 12 spies are sent into the mm-hmm. promised land. To The spies are going to see, you know, uh, this is where we're supposed to be going. And the 12 come back and 10 of them say, uh, oh, it's the you know, grapes that are this big and-, and Giants uh, everywhere. Land flowing with milk and honey, but there are giants everywhere. We felt like grasshoppers in their midst. And, and so Carl Vader centers in on that notion that we feel like grasshoppers. When God's intention was to take His chosen people into that expansive place, but ten of the twelve held back and said, "We better not do it because Mm -hmm. we aren't big enough." Yeah. And uh, but Joshua and Caleb said, "We can do it." And and there's a certain reckless, foolhardy vision that's required with urban ministry. Definitely, yeah. And, uh, you know, to be able to step into an environment that you weren't raised in, that you don't know the ins and outs of, but driven with a, a, that sense of the spirit saying, we can do it. <laughs> what what giants? You know, right. what, what barriers do you want to say there is to, to going? You know, well... We don't have to, to listen to what all the barriers are. We have to know they're there, but we have to have a vision that's bigger than the barriers. Mm. And uh, we got one last question. Um, well, you're the guest, so I'm gonna let you have the last, I get last question pick? as well. Oh,
1: that's awesome. It's cause you know what it is. That's probably why it's gonna stump me, right? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, <laughs> what are your favorite
0: two fish memories? Well, there's a lot of them. That's for sure. So for anybody that's listening or watching to the podcast, uh, Kevin mentioned earlier... uh, Two fish. Yes. We've uh, we've been doing music together for 25 years with a variety of band configurations and also just as an acoustic duo. And um, over the years, we racked up uh, a few band stories. So Mm. what are your favorite memories?
1: You know, I think... Most of the favorite memories come back to having that bus, <laughs> because we had a lot of fun. We we had a what was a 15 passenger, uh, handicap accessible bus, yeah. bus. and uh, that was our that was our tour bus for for what four or five years or whatever. Yeah. We uh, we took yeah. that around. Uh, I remember, you know, we almost got stuck in a, a Burger King drive through I think, one time, where it was wedged <laughs> yeah. in there really oh, yeah. well. and, and uh, Neither of us were driving. No, but, no, no, of no. course not. And that was ho-ho driving. I think that's where that came about, because we had... Uh, we had Chris there that uh, loved, oh, yeah. loved his hohos and so we yep. uh, nicknamed him Ho Ho. That. <laughs> That's right, Chris Holmes. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, a lot of the a lot of the favorite memories were on that bus, just you know, taking a weekend and grabbing a bunch of guys and just going yep. and having just just a blast, you know, as we uh, as we go. I mean alcohol and drug free and just the craziest the <laughs> highest times that we could ever have because yes. it was just uh, it was just so much fun I, I one of my favorite ones was the uh up north somewhere, there was these hot tubs out in the snow. Oh, yeah, we were doing a <laughs> retreat. Yeah, 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 and we'd uh, we'd run out, roll in the snow, and get back in the hot tubs. Yeah. And then and, and somebody got, I think Chris again, that got clocked with the little bar that you're supposed to pull the cover <laughs> off the thing, and he got smacked in the head with that, I think, and it was... Uh, was it
0: him or John Coste with uh, us?
1: I'm not, it could or, have been
0: either one. They're equally as crazy. you remember going, getting out to roll in the snow, but the snow is this deep? <laughs> like an inch deep, yeah, and underneath it was gravel <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah yeah
0: so
1: those those are good times yeah those, those are really good times and uh i mean coupled though just with the uh i don't know just with the excitement of getting to share to share our music that yeah. you know, that's so personal you know and yeah. so means so much to us Getting to share it with other people and other communities—I so, mean, those are just incredible memories right there. And mm. you know, having the privilege of being able to record—you know—four CDs so yeah. far, and uh, yeah. a few other compilation things—and being able to say, "Hey, yeah, I've, I've recorded music. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool." We even got—we <laughs> even got some what streaming income
0: this year. So I mean, we're uh, we're rolling in it now. So yeah. we're awesome. What about you? Well, um, speaking of the the short bus, um, uh, one of my uh, memories uh, was um, when we were playing a few years ago in Blenheim. and <laughs> I know it's not your out. favorite memory, but it's one of mine. <laughs> but and, it was pretty stellar. Yeah, and, and we had the full band back yeah. then, yeah. and and uh, we were playing at uh, Glad Tidings Church there, mm-hmm. and. And uh, we were on our last song and we were jamming it out and, and you were blasting away on your sax and, mm. and uh, you jumped up and to, you know, just on stage, just jumping in the air. And, and when you landed, um, your weak knee gave out. It did indeed. And you collapsed to the stage and I'm there playing and singing and... And I don't hear you and I'm singing. I'm not getting up. <laughs> I don't hear you singing with me. And I look over, and you're laying on the floor. In sheer agony. <laughs> In sheer agony. And uh, so I, I, I forget if uh, we finished the song or if we just said, we just brought it to a close. But anyways, um, that uh, handicap lift and the wheelchair that we had. Yeah, they happen to have a wheelchair they, there at the church. Oh, they had a wheelchair, yeah. so we were able to get you into a wheelchair, put you into a lift bus, and bring you back home. Yes. That, that was a special memory. It was. Um, and then
1: sitting in the ER with like, I think I had bright orange hair or something like that. You and did, yeah. yeah. We, we got really no respect at all, waiting and waiting hours and hours. That was fun,
0: yeah. Uh, probably Ooh. the top two fish memory, uh, and then I'll, I'll close. I mean, there's many, but yeah. The time that uh, we got to go to Peterborough and uh, part of student life, we did a did a concert in the lobby one oh, evening. Oh,
1: yeah, it was like all the people up around the stairs and everything. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. and that night, um, as part of our set, uh, we often will include worship as part of our set, and, and uh, we entered into a, a time of worship where um having an earth kissed Mm. and and it was so overpowering uh to be in the presence of god that um there were points where we just knelt down on on the stage and we disappeared Mm -hmm. the band disappeared and stopped playing and people were just worshiping god and And uh, and then we'd get up and we we'd sing a little more and we'd just kind of improvise our worship and and uh, yeah I mean that that's a that's a, that's probably my top two fish story yeah that
1: was uh, yeah and on that trip I had acquired a towel from the college that became my sweat towel for many years wow. I didn't say I stole it I acquired it. It just happened to end up in my luggage and wow it was a sweat yeah. towel for many years after that on the road wow. I'm not sure what happened to it maybe I dropped it back off ten years later
0: when we went back <laughs> maybe anyways anyways kev um thanks so much for uh, taking time to um, just share share with me today and uh, been for, a pleasure thank you for loving on me all these years and likewise yeah. <laughs> and uh all right well that's a good good place to say goodbye 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 well i hope you enjoyed that intimate conversation with my friend kevin saunders on our next episode of sidewalk skyline podcast i'm going to be talking with kathy tollefson kathy is director of global family canada and one of their projects is called the Daughter Project and uh, deals with human trafficking. They have a, uh, a residence for young women coming out of uh, sex trafficking in Canada. And uh, so we're going to uh, be exploring some of the themes around human trafficking. And uh, just hearing from Kathy on uh, how, uh, through their ministry, they're able to to make a difference. So until uh, that episode comes, uh, thank you for listening to this one. I'm Kevin Rogers, and you've been listening to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast.